hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Kanja Book Club, the weekly Star Wars book club podcast brought to you by the Teeny Podcast Network. This is the show where we intentionally experience Star Wars stories together one month at a time. And today we are talking Into the Dark by Claudia Gray, chapters 9 through 14. This is episode 31. I am one of your hosts, Timothy Guthrie, and I am here with, um, according to Twitter, my spouse, Adam Dyson. How you doing, man? Good, man. Just waiting for those divorce papers to come through. Um... You are stuck with me! (laughs) (laughs) Question... Who's paying the alimony to who here? I don't know. All I gotta all I gotta say is, according to Twitter, that uh, well, which I gotta shout out my dad here, uh, Mike, in the chat. Um, but also, apparently, Adam and I are the caregivers of um, Meg and Eric. So I don't know what the the all powerful being up above is doing to us. <laughs> But Corey, it's yeah, Corey, Corey's really messing with us pretty bad here. <laughs> very, very chaotic. Uh, but who, I, mar- who married y'all two together? Jared did it. Probably, probably. Well, Patrick, you are here as well. Unfortunately, you are not in our family, but you are a dear oh, friend. I'm drunk uncle. <laughs> please. I'm drunk uncle. Please be our drunk uncle. We're so glad to have you here. Uh, I will come out in barbecue shoes, um, a glass of cognac. And I'm just here to, um, I'm just here to, uh, you know, start problems. Emma, Emma uh, has given you a new name. You are the Drunkle. Oh, that's going to be, that's going on like, uh, the Slack page, the Discord, everything. Oof. Yep, we, I'm changing it. Drunkle. Does, Drunkle Pat. Does that mean that, is the Conja Book Club the Drunkle of the Teeny Podcast Network? I think so. Yeah, they, I'm okay with that. They keep us on Discord for a reason, Timothy. <laughs> I know. I know. Drunkle, drunkle energy is like the baseline for a lot of a lot of different places. Like, think about it. If you like go on vacation, that's nothing but drunkle energy. If you get hurt on vacation, drunkle energy. If you ruin the vacation, drunkle energy. You you really making me want to go to vacation? Oh, I'm going on vacation, and I'm gonna have mad drunkle energy. What about it? <laughs> Good. Good. Well, hopefully nobody in our chat has drunkle energy today. Glad to have you no, all. I'm absorbing it all. <laughs> Glad to have you all with us. Um, however, you're listening to us, whether you are here live in Discord um, or you are listening to us on all of the podcast feeds because we're official now. It's super exciting. Um, we're so so thankful that you listen to this nonsense. A um, couple of updates. Um, congratulations! Massive shout out to Emma and Tyler and Jacob and Caleb on the incredible successful launch of The Cosmic Force, Utini's newest live show um, revolving all around comics. It has debuted on YouTube. That was this last week. Head over to the show's Discord channel, give them some love, and get in on the conversation. Um, also, make sure to check their Twitter account, um, at Cosmic Force Show, for updates and comic news. Um, they freaking killed it. Did y'all get a chance to watch it, uh, listen in at all? I have not, unfortunately. Oh, man, dude. It is... Uh, honestly, they're probably going to be better than the Living Force. I'm calling it. Just, just not even out, out the gate. Like no Timothy, tech issues, no nothing. They were killing it. Don't get us fired. Well, because we, we won't. It'll be fine. Well, because of the time difference, I I couldn't watch it. Sorry, Emma. Well, See you in the chat. But like, I know I haven't seen it, but I feel like they're already better than us. That makes oh yeah me sad. <laughs> they also <laughs> practiced for like months before uh, you know they went live. Where they were just like, "Hey, uh, Tia, Adam, Patrick, y'all just want to nah. get in and figure it out." <laughs> <laughs> practice? You're talking about Wait, practice? We were meant Not to figure the game. this. Not we, the game. Are we meant to practice and figure this out? We've we've been that like, sounds, practicing for six months. That sounds like way too much work. About. <laughs> I know. No kidding. All right. No kidding. Hello, does the drunkle look like he works? <laughs> nope. <laughs> he just shows up at noon already with vodka on his breath. I'm not doing, this, sh- this, not doing show notes, this, not answering any questions, not geo-related, and I'm not practicing. <laughs> oh, God. Exactly. 
<laughs> oh man well um super excited for them um at some point here in the next week or two um after we kind of process some stuff all of those episodes will be um, officially live in your podcast feeds we'll make sure to update you on all of the platforms whenever that happens um and the utini podcast network is officially a thing we're all here uh, the first five episodes of uh, Star Wars Archives and Calf Faves are in podcast feeds now. You can just search Utini um, and all of our shows will pop up. All 31 episodes of, or all 30 of the Conjure Book Club is also there. So that's exciting. We've I was looking at some of our stats and we have like over 10 countries listening to us, um, which is absurd to me. I just thank you guys. Y'all are awesome. Um, and yeah. Adam, do you want to talk about the Discord update? Some of the things that have changed. Yeah, so those who are listening live will see that the Country Book Club show channel has changed a little bit. So Discord brought out a major community update. And as our Discord was upgraded to a community one a few months ago, we were able to utilize the new show layout. So we have our audience down the bottom and our talkers up the top to make it... A little bit more professional looking, I might say. Because we the best. And since Corey will never let us on YouTube because, you know, random, um, this is probably us for the foreseeable future because we're cool like that. Yeah, we are cool. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl, thank cool. thank you for, uh, Me and Patrick for pointing cool. out that, yeah, we did ask for people's location on Twitter. I'm not like their physical address but like you know what country are you listening to us from but you're right don't give away info to strangers that's a good call don't do it are you um, trying to, yeah you try- i'm loving the new update are you trying to steal Thank people's you. money again timothy i Talk, am we, we talked about this way- you can't use the podcast to steal people's money <laughs> it's fine it is fine let let hey, me we've, we've tricked him on patreon to listening to us so that's it's already being stolen and not do it it's a, a subtle Jedi mind thing, right? It's like, I suggest, it's a simple suggestion. If you would like to you, give me money so that I can lord it over Adam and Patrick, that's fine. Yeah. You don't have to. You I do would, deposit to my checking account. I might I become your friend 50. a little bit better, but, you know, whatever. We're just single-handedly um, cementing our spot in Discord forever. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. And speaking of money, uh, Patreon news. I still don't have a time yet, Cheryl. I'm so sorry. But on Star Wars Day, May the 4th, um, our Inquisitorious patrons and up um, will get to join the Utini staff for a Bad Batch watch party. Uh, more details coming soon, but the current plan is to watch all four episodes of their arc from Season 7 of The Clone Wars and then their debuted episode that night, which is going to be like... 60 70 something minutes long i'm really stoked um that's gonna be a lot of fun and then our book schedule we've got um in may we're gonna be reading thrawn ascendancy greater good by timothy zahn and then in june we'll be reading the age of rebellion uh, limited comic series so get to go through some one shots we're gonna cover the villains that first week in june and then the heroes that second week so super excited about that we're also gonna have a special guest on the show i don't want to say who it is yet Cause you know, two months, that's two months away. I just want to make sure that we're all good. Uh, but closer to time, we will reveal that. I'm very excited about it. Timothy, no snitching. We talked about this. I know no snitching, no taking people's monies guys. you it, you act like I've Whoa, been in prison I say no for, take- for weeks. Well, hold on there. I didn't say no taking people's monies. I said no taking people's money without sharing. Hmm. I guess, I guess that is the difference. There, there's, there is there's a difference. There. Get Hey, mob mentality, we get our cut. <laughs> if you steal ten dollars, I want three fifty. I want my tree fifty. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Not to mention uh, that your the closet that you're sitting in, Timothy, is smaller than your average prison cell. So it it really is. I do have a little room to stretch my legs. Uh but if I had people's monies, I might be able to afford a bigger closet that I could See? do jumping jacks in. So y'all need to help me out. Help me stretch. I'm six foot three and sitting on a closet floor. I could to say you need, need a living help. room. <laughs> <laughs> I need an office. Oh man. All right. Well, let's, let's get into it. The people don't care about my closet. What they care about is the only thing that we all should care about. And that's geode. We get to talk about geode for an hour. Are y'all ready for this? That great like I said, if there are any unrelated to geode questions, in this podcast, Timothy, I'm not. I'm not. I'm out. I'm strike. On strike. 
All right. Oh, just give him the band hammer. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Those band hammers have been I mean, flexed quite a about? bit this week, so let's <laughs> let, let's let, let's temper them a bit. They they need to calm down. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, band hammers getting its money's worth, baby. They knew what this was about. Yep. <laughs> what we're here for. All right, boys. Here we go. Chapters nine through fourteen into the dark, all geode, all the time. Spoiler warnings. Continue at your own risk. We left off with the planet pre- or planet with the plants protecting droids attacking our crew. Threatening the garden is a no-no. In addition to worrying about the droids' extremely sharp pinchers, the vines themselves are sharp and full of poison, as Affy learns when she gets scraped. Wreath gets the idea to blast the bottom of the vines so they catch fire, and the droids leave them alone. When they return to safety, Dez gives Affy a toxin booster, and then he and Wreath have a conversation about adventure and balance. Affy speaks with Leox about the symbols they found and whether or not someone could be skimming from the top of the guild, much like I do with our Patreon money. Maybe targeting Scover herself could be a problem. Leox doesn't think so, and Affy gets upset at feeling coddled. Meanwhile, Orla examines the stones again. Her instinct may help more than the prior knowledge that Comac brings to the table. It appears the idols represent conquered peoples. But who did the conquering? When she catches up with Comac, they discuss their past and how the outcome of those events led to Starlight Beacon, even if it was difficult. Out of nowhere, she feels the cold again and has another vision. Wreath is also affected and has a vision of a blue lightsaber blade in the midst of a fog, surrounded by greenery that is different than what he was used to seeing on the station. He loses uh, to his opponent, feels mud, but then he comes to. He's still on the station, but they're surrounded by darkness, and it must be examined. Dez also knows they need to figure out what is behind the energy field in the station's lower rings. Wreath has the idea to carry pieces of the plants with them as a shield to avoid being registered as a threat. When the crew successfully arrives, it is devoid of plant life and very dark down there. Nan suggests they split up, and Alfie finds more code, including her biological parents' logo, the Kestrel's Dive. Wreath and Dez meet back up and find a door. It suddenly opens and closes, and Dez finds himself on the other side. Engine-like noises and bright lights appear, and when the door opens again, Dez is gone. When Wreath finally gets through the door, he finds helix rings, devices that tend to malfunction, and have the ability to disintegrate humans on contact. Dez is actually gone. Comac can't sense him, and he reels with the similarities from his past. Orla takes charge and orders everyone to take time to reflect on Dez and appreciate that he is now one with the Force. Wreath almost immediately goes back to the scene and finds Nan investigating too. Eventually, they find a control panel and learn that the rings were used for escape pods or something like that. Instead of disintegrating, Dez could have been flung into the emptiness of space. It's not promising either way, uh, but when they get back from the lower levels, they hear celebration. Hyperspace is opening back up. Now that they can leave, they need to take the idols with them. After successfully performing a binding ritual that will keep them together and protected, they load them up for departure, with Wreath taking note that the plant life seems to be the true inhabitant of the station. Leox was not a fan of the cursed idols being on board. Geode remembers the last time that happened. He ended up with a plinth made in his image, and a planet ended up being named Leoxo. Like, what? 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 I want to hear that story. I know. Nan and Wreath say their goodbyes, and she expresses how grateful she is to have learned so much about the changing galaxy. On board the vessel, hyperspace wasn't easy, but Geode handles it well. It's now purple-like in color and feels like an asteroid field with all of the intermediate jumps they have to take back to Coruscant. Affy reflects on her journey to be with Geode and Leox. They were the only ones in the guild who didn't look down on her or think of her as a challenge. As she informs Leox that she is going to tell Scover everything she found at the station, he receives a distress signal from a personnel carrier called the Journeyman on fire from within. They go to help and Comac, aiding the trapped passengers to escape pods and Wreath saving a baby Wookiee. Reminds me a little bit of Ezra and Rebels. Upon returning to Coruscant, Comac goes to the council and is upset the masters don't seem to mourn Des like he does. Affy finds that her foster mother is alive. Orla escorts the idols to the Force Virgin's shrine in the depths of the Jedi Temple and Wreath reunites the Wookiee baby with her parents and sees many of the injured folks from the disaster. All of a sudden, he thinks about Master Jorah Mali and wonders if she was injured at Starlight. The droid nearby informs him that she was actually killed in action, and since Skier reported it, it must be true. Wreath is dumbstruck. And then, we have a little flashback. 25 years earlier, confronted with a giant white snake, Comac draws his lightsaber along with his companions and kills it. He's upset he didn't study the legend of the snake as his master wished he would have, and there's always truth in them. Master Larrett senses the way to the hostages, and they continue on their journey to rescue 
um, killing even more serpents. Orla is briefly chastised for not calling on all of the Force for handling the serpents and questions why her instincts are not enough when that is how the Force speaks to her. Meanwhile, Lord Isomer is thrilled with the way events are unfolding. The one Jedi had died, but more surely out there. His captors, the rulers, consider how they should have stood in relationship to the Republic. They don't actually know why their planets hate each other. They just always have. And that's not actually a great reason to hate something. We covered a lot this week. That was um, insanely chaotic. Um, Some major deaths um, and some weird, weird stuff going on with Geode. Um, we, we're going to spend some time talking about Geode, I promise. I think one of the fun things about this section, um, is the book is really kind of coming into its own. Um, there's a lot of themes that we're going to get kind of continuing from the rest of the higher Republic books that we've read. Um, and some that we talked about, like in light of the Jedi and then with a test of courage, but there's a lot of themes of grief, um, in this book. We also get quite a bit of disillusionment, like we talked about last week. And this is like every young adult novel, a coming of age story as well. Um, all of our young characters are faced with challenges and things that they must overcome. But I want to start not with a geode question. I am so sorry, Adam, but I'm going to ask you anyways to see what kind of grumpy face you're going to give me. Uh, let's start with the 25 years earlier part. Um, the kidnapping of the rulers, young Comac and Orla, um, we see just how early Orla begins to question her use of and connection to the force. Um, on this second reread, like I'm really paying attention to a lot more of the details. Um, her trajectory seems to be a little bit more clear. Are you finding anything sticking out to you more in these little sections than on your first read? Yeah, definitely. Just after reading it all and seeing where she ends up in the first time that I read it, um, these earlier sections are really starting to really starting to jump out at me more the fact that she does as you said feel disillusionment really early on um and she starts to have those thoughts as well so that definitely is jumping out at me yeah patrick how about you is anything jumping out at you in particular you know going back and re-listening or rereading this she sees through the lies of the jedi she does. <laughs> uh, Adam, I, I will. S- I was like, wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> Adam, I will say Cheryl's calling you out. Did, are you reading this a second time? No, she calls me on Discord all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Comes with the territory. <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I, I think those things, I don't know. There's because I'm paying more attention. I think I'm catching just a little bit more. Or at least it makes a little bit more sense to me. Mm. Um and then kind of piggybacking on last week, Patrick, I'll start with you. You know, Thandeka and Castle discussed that hating something because you always have is not a good enough reason to keep hating it. And I think that piggybacks from last week, um, and I think it might be just as bad as trusting something because you always have. Um, thinking about how the Jedi just sometimes have blind trust in the Order. Would you agree with that? That hating something just because you always have might be just as bad as trusting something because you always have? Well, yeah, absolutely. Especially when there's a great correlation with things in our own like real world, how um, a lot of times people hate things because they don't understand it. Mm-hmm. So when we, um, especially we, we see how like people will hate other people because they don't understand like their culture, their way of life. And, and they don't understand that deep down everyone pretty much does the same thing or wants the same thing. It's like that here. They they're doing it out of almost tradition or or habit, and almost a just like an ingrained fear, hatred. Just they were raised to hate them, so they they don't ask the questions of why and why don't we change this and what's what would be so wrong with yeah blind faith, as um, Cheryl said, and they don't um they don't question it. They rather be ignorantly blissful than answer the questions yeah i think for me you know i had a professor um several years ago that mentioned that it's really hard to hate someone up close um you know internet it's very easy to blind rage against somebody um someone outside of your faith group or outside of your traditional political belief systems or anything like that um it's really hard to hate someone up close and i think that that's what these two characters are discovering being tied up together um that actually like we just we don't have conversations um adam what are your thoughts on this yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be bad and bring in a different story 
that I was kind of reading it. recently. Um, so, like, I was reading the first Witcher book, and I think we've all talked about it in the past. And so, Blood of Elves is like the first of the saga, and there's a really good section in there where all these races come together in this forest controlled by druids. Um, and if you've read the, if you've watched the show, or you've played the games, or you've read the books, uh, racial hate is like a big, um, yeah. a big theme in that in that world. But at, like all the little kids, like of like different races, names, elves, whatever, just any race, they they were just playing with each other, and like uh, the author comments that you know, there's no hatred between them yet. But right, if you were to look at all the adults, they're all standing in their own little groups, like humans are standing there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, when I was reading that, I yeah, just it just jumps out at you, doesn't it? That that we that we are taught to hate. And as you said, it's it's hard to hate when you get up close, but from a distance, it, you, it's easy. Yeah, and I think that you know there may have been some valid reasons for the hate back in the day. There there might have been, um, but just because that one thing happened with that one particular person that was representative of that particular planet, doesn't mean all people on that planet think that way. All people in that particular culture think that way. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, we, and we've seen it through Star Wars, you know, for a long time. We we, we went through the Kenobi book months ago, and yeah, and the natives of Tatooine v say the settlers, and the settlers had these preconceived notions of who they were, and the Mandalorian has touched on it as well, where Din is able to communicate with them, and his little annoying offsider um, has these notions that. They're just savages when they're not. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at Mandalorians as well, right? Um, you know, like he has a very different concept of what it means to be a Mandalorian. So does Bo-Katan. She has a very different understanding of what it means to be Mandalorian. Um, and I'm sure that, um, you know, everyone else in the galaxy has has a different opinion. You know, when I look at Satine, she had a very different understanding what it was of what it meant to be Mandalorian. So, you know, that's that's very. Yeah, I think you bring up a, a, a good point. Um and it's just, it's good to talk. Just have have open dialogue. Communication is important. Um, and I love that we're getting that we're getting that lesson, even though it, it's a very short little bit. Um, let's move on to everything happening in the present day. So we've got, uh, you know, Dez's death was pretty big here. Um, we learn about the helix rings and, and what all that looks like. And we learn there are three different types of dark side idols. Um, so we have like artifacts that have memories or they're like containers. We have those that enhance abilities and those that deafen abilities. And these appear to be the container sort. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting that we get some, some dark side stuff here. And then we get the shrine. Um, y'all, how did it feel, Patrick? I'll start with you. How did it feel to get to see, you know, quote unquote, see the shrine underneath the Jedi Temple? I know we're going to get more of it in the chapters to come. We've only seen it, like, mentioned briefly in Tarkin and maybe some reference books. But, like, we're actually in the freaking room now. What was that like? It was, I, like, geeked out a bit because, especially from, like, the old Republic day, um, timeline and everything, you get it from, like, you know... When, like the sacking of Coruscant, when they take the temple, they ransack the place and they take over and you're like, ah, it's from there. And then you get so excited hearing it. And it's like, they're bringing it full circle. It's happening. It's happening. Adam, how about you? What, what, what were your thoughts getting to see it, getting to be in the room? I thought it was very cool. Especially as you said, after we've been given like little snippets of it before in other stories, it was, it's like, Star Wars kind of was teasing us, and then here, all of a sudden, here you go. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us. <laughs> well, the weird thing, and I'm wondering if we're going to get this towards the end of the High Republic, maybe, but it almost kind of seems like when we get to the prequel era, that the dark side, the Sith, are um, uh, kind of like the boogeyman, almost, of like, just don't say it, don't talk about it, or they're going to show up. Um, but I love already that in the high Republic, at least at this particular point, like they're willing to go down and interact with this thing. Cause we hadn't seen that yet. Um, up to this point. And I just, I thought it was super cool. I can't wait for them to actually show, the, show the right? Sith of the time. Cause we know they're there. Yeah. They're like, cause also they have this knack for what at this time, hiding in plain sight. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I guess what we've seen with Plagueis, 
and what we know of Palpatine. So I wonder, like, when they expand more of this uh, High Republic timeline, you, who will it be? Who's the person hiding in plain right. sight? And I think that we're we're going to talk about this a lot more. I think next week, um, as as I've been kind of rereading, I'm like, oh, I, I want this conversation to happen, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. But yes, I. I'm I'm ready for them to lean into that. I want to see what our dark side users are up to. If if we get to see any Sith in the High Republic, what what that looks like. Um, but let's kind of move into. Or you got a thought? I was gonna say, isn't that what also the show Acolytes is going Possibly. to be based around? I don't know. It's still up in the air. Adam, we we looked this up a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Do you remember? I think what we know about it is it's just details the end of the high republic right yeah or it happens at the end of the high republic not really not really detailing its fall yeah which we don't even know Um, how long this high republic era is going to last i mean legitimately right um and yeah uh mike you're right Uh, it was mentioned a little bit there in tarkin um so yeah this the idea of the force nexus of this convergence i mean it's very much like on on a dagobah and on mustafar right like that's where the force is just ever present um very strong and it's very much here too so really cool uh to see that so let's talk about some of the characters a little bit more in depth um we get wreath um a, a lot to do with wreath but at one point you know he's sending a transmission to jora and it's in practice he ends up deleting it um he's learned a lot he's used his skills he's even sensing geode a bit in the force so the the little nod to geode here that he's actually sentient like it's not a joke maybe um and that was interesting uh but he still yearns for the archives and so he's trying to get out of it but one of the points that he makes is that fighting to stay alive distracts from learning and studying the force and i think when i read that in the way that i read it it kind of reminded me a lot of Revenge of the Sith, um, like by fighting it all, by fighting the Clone Wars at all, the Jedi lost. Um, and I think that Wreath is kind of seeing that now. Um, Adam, did you catch that? Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Even even if it comes from a little bit more of a selfish, <laughs> a selfish place for him of just not <laughs> wanting to be out there. Like he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he's not. And it's like just one of those moments where we see Wreath have these little thoughts. Like he, yeah, does question a little bit, not too much. Yeah. Uh, I want to know if, if anybody in the chat caught this, but did you catch the significance of Wreath losing his Padawan braid? I mean, like, we all knew <laughs> that that Jorah died at the end of Light of the Jedi, right? Um, so, like, that that wasn't a spoiler. But then for him to, to lose his braid here, I was like, mm. oh, man, he doesn't know yet, but he's going to find out. And then at the end of this chapter, at this section, for him to get that, um, and it's like Claudia was kind of reminding us again that we're about to get some bad news, um, <laughs> and like he's growing up and is going to have to start meeting all of these adult challenges face to face. And you know, he and Des have that conversation about how Comac doesn't, you know, necessarily even believe in the braid, and that's something. But it, I thought it was was neat to see the significance. Um, you know, hair is really weird in that it's super important <laughs> to Star Wars. Um, I have found like we get Leia's hair is obviously iconic in its own way, but then you know, like Sabine is constantly changing her hairstyle through Rebels. Kanan cuts his towards the end of Rebels. Doesn't Ezra yeah, cut his Yeah, Ezra two cuts his too. And then Claudia's book, um, two books, Bloodline and Princess of Alderaan. Uh, you forgot Hayden Christensen's hair in Revenge of the Sith. Um, if you could just add that to the notes, please. Uh, Thank you. Is there anything in, in particular you would like, like for me to add that? Me. Yeah, that it's gorgeous, that it's yeah, perfect. I mean, what? I, I need something to put here. But also, both of those words Master are good. Apprentice, Thank you. She she makes fun of um, Obi Wan's hair all yeah. the time. It's just it. What is it, Obi bad haircut? What or bad hair? Whatever his name is, <laughs> is that what they refer to him as half something. the time? But yeah, it's really interesting. You know, Cad Cad brings up like even in real life, changing of a hairstyle can symbolize so much. Um, you know, a, a political belief or just the fact that you feel like a new person. Um, sometimes, literally, when you get a haircut, you feel lighter, like a burden has been lifted. <laughs> um, I've been there, done that. Um, but Claudia, in particular, you know, she weaves in a little bit more of of how just this little strand of hair can can mean something dramatic 
and we got a little bit of that in Bloodline. I and mean, I'm not going to go into super spoilers or anything like that, but there's a tie-in from that and Leia, Princess of Alderaan that I thought was really cool. And so it's neat that it's something minor. I don't know that a lot of people would catch, but um, I love that that was here. Um, let's talk about Dez for a minute. You know, before he dies, uh, he has a conversation with Wreath about balance within oneself and outside of oneself, like amongst the order at large, uh, and that, you know, different gifts really matter. Um, I think that that's a really cool thing. Like, we're not supposed to be excellent at everything and we don't have to try to be. Um, I think that a lot of times we put too much pressure on ourselves uh, and Jedi in particular, I imagine, put a lot of pressure on themselves to be the best at everything. That's something that Wreath is trying to do. But Dez is really calling out that it's okay that we're all a little bit different. Um, And I think that that is something that's pretty evident in this book. But Patrick, would, would you agree with that? And like, is there a strength in everyone being a little bit different? Absolutely. It makes it where one is able to, one is able to make up for the weaknesses of others with the strength of his own and vice versa. Also, when everyone's too similar, then it becomes homogenous. It becomes... It's just an echo chamber, right? And there's, yeah, there's... Yeah. Thank you, Cheryl. If you could have Cheryl, if you could um, type that up before I got stuttering out here and sniffling. <laughs> um, Thank you. Also, I want to shout out to Alexander real quick. Uh, yeah, also hair being the Niles hair, and that was a big, big revelation um, with the blue strands and stuff. And then I am here for the Mulan gift. Please, please give me more Mulan. Adam, what are your thoughts on, on all of that? Um, on, you know, it's okay that the Jedi are different. And would you agree with that? Yeah, I really love the conversation itself. Um just so is it that the relationship between Des and Reef is very much at times this big brother and this little brother. And he sees that his little brother is just got this anxiety because he doesn't want to be there, doesn't think that he's good enough to be there in the first place. And Des is just like, no, mate, you bring your own skills, your own knowledge, your own gifts to this to this universe and you are meant to be here, basically. So I thought it was just a really nice moment between the two. Um, and you're right, like, the Jedi are already dogmatic in the way that they all try to be the same. Um, like, but it's their way of keeping their own individuality, bringing their own gifts to the table, you know. Yeah. Their own abilities in the Force. They're already controlled enough that this is kind of one of the only things that they have is what they can do. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if, if more of this is what ends up leading to you know, whatever split happens uh, to get the order that we get in the prequel trilogy, right? If if enough people, enough Jedi are like, I don't like this idea that you want us to all be the same, like punt that. And then like how many of, you know, we've talked about this before, but how many of the lost 20 may have come out of this particular section? Um, you know, is that a thing? Like, what is that like? And, and we'll may talk about that a little bit later on towards the end of this book too, but like, there's a reason a lot of these people left. And I think it's cool that we have someone like Des who is trying to, uh, who's very adventurous and very outgoing is trying to talk to Reith. Like it's okay. It's okay. Adam, you got a thought? Yeah. You bring up the prequels. Um, it's like at the start of, uh, the Phantom Menace when it Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, they've just kind of reached the trade Federation starship. And, you know, Obi-Wan's going on, Oh, Yoda says this, Yoda says that. And Qui-Gon's like, no, be be mindful of the living force mm. so like you can all you can already tell that the younger jedi kind of being brought into this this single community and overall individuality and that's why characters like qui-gon were so important yeah because he he keeps obi-wan kind of grounded in himself um so yeah this conversation definitely just i kind of remembered that little two minute scene at the start of the phantom menace yeah no that's a that's a great call and kind of leading into more of this conversation, you know, we get Comac and Orla, um, you know, Comac is really angry at Dez's death. Whenever it happens, it's senseless. Um, like he, he's really pissed that, you know, the Jedi don't seem to want to feel the hurt, um, that, you know, they have this inability to grieve properly. Like they just tell him to shut it down. Um, and then he, you know, 25 years after he's experienced the death of his own, the death of his own master, like he's still reeling from it because he hasn't dealt with it appropriately. Um, and then we get Orla and for all of her concerns, you know, with the Jedi, um, she's never felt 
you know, jaded at, at, at a core tenant of the order, pretty much. Um, and she wonders if maybe she's pushing help, pushing herself away from others more than trying to learn the force. And, you know, we get a lot of disillusionment, you know, like we've talked about, it's strong with these two in so many different ways, but I'm trying to figure out how to pinpoint like what their differences are. They are very different in the way that they think about the Jedi and think about how things are not being done properly. Uh, but I can't figure out exactly what it is that they want or what makes them different. Does that make sense, Patrick? It does. Also, I love... I love what Cheryl put in the chat. She says, the Jedi don't allow grief and it pisses me off. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, just cry, you self-righteous <laughs> pricks. It's okay. We're not going to judge you. Right? <laughs> like, it's okay. You you lost your boy. That's, that's your mans. It's okay to cry for your mans. Like, just, just, just be sad for him. Like, one of the things that agitates me the most is how nobody cries at Qui-Gon's funeral. Mm. Like, they all just stand there, like, just, just cry! Just cry, that's your boy! Cry for yeah. your boy! Y'all just lost him prematurely with a hole in his stomach. <laughs> y'all just gonna let him go out like that and act like y'all didn't care about him? Yeah. Y'all act like y'all... Like, my, my, Mike says he cried, don't worry. I need five <laughs> minutes! I need five minutes! God dang it, man, now y'all got me well, angry. I'm gonna just be grouchy yeah, in this corner. Uh, I want to shout out Alexander, and then we'll come to you, Adam. Yeah, Alexander posts a quote from from the pages. You know, he says they command that Master and Prentice spend years together, working as a partnership, as close as any family could possibly be, and then they expect us to not become attached. I never thought about it before. I never had to, but now I can't escape how unfair it is. It's worse than unfair. It's wrong. Sounds a little bit like Anakin to me, but he's totally right. <laughs> Adam, what are your thoughts? I think this is a good segue into to talk about the fact that Reese found out he, that his master died from a droid. Like, not even a Jedi. Like, a droid told him. Right. Like, that just shows just, ugh. <laughs> yeah, how like, messed up is that? They just, they had their inability to see how it affects their people and to go as far as just having a droid tell him, I think is just the personification of this conversation that we're having right now. Yeah, no, that's an, that's an excellent point. Um, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, droids kind of having feelings towards the end of uh, victory's price a bit, um, with that whole weird, like halfway through the book, um, you know, they're, they're running a planet, uh, and basically retribution for everything that, you know, the humans did to them there. Uh, we also talk about, um, you know, like L3 um, and her droid revolution. I know that Jose and Trevor talked about droids recently and, you know, human personification and, and how they have personalities and, and such on one of their last episodes of the Star Wars archives, which was fantastic. But yeah, how sad is that? That Wreath learns this all important life changing fact from a droid is absolutely wild. Adam. It's, it's, it's like, not even that. Like, if it came from a droid, uh, like someone that, he kind of knew, like, if he had a droid that he had the relationship of an ITO and and Quell from our previous book or books, etc. But uh, it's just some random pit droid, basically. Yeah. No, not really a pit, but but just some hangar droid. <laughs> like, right. Like, cool. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really messed up, um, and that's uh, not to get like too far ahead either but Affy kind of experiences similar things like Affy's experiencing her own journey um you know of discovery and, and who to trust in this book um and she learns some really hard truths about the guild and and maybe even her parents um which again not to spoil conversations for next week um but like I think it's really interesting that a lot of these you know stories a lot of these characters are going through similar things um kind of in their own ways and i think it's wild that affy wouldn't know what happened to her parents like i would think that scover may have like would have told her something about them um and instead she's having to learn it from these random hieroglyphs <laughs> you know written on a wall in a random space station that no one's been to in decades like uh, it's that's it, wild patrick did, are you catching some of those similarities with affy and some of these other characters yeah it's a very, like, growing, coming-of-age story with Affy. And I, I like how she always comes to the realization that it's like, oh, Leox and Geo, they never looked down on her for being a kid. Yeah. You know? Like, he he actually treats her... It's kind of like almost uh, 
I don't want to say like daughter role because it's I doesn't have that. He has more of like a again back he's, to the he's uncle. the drunkle. <laughs> he seems like the uncle. Yeah, he well the high uncle. But yeah, he's like the high uncle that like he's like he really respects her opinion. He knows what she's capable of, and he's like, yeah, do your thing on the ship. You know what you're doing. I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to tell you what to do? You yeah, know? and he doesn't try to force any conversations with her either. Like, he trusts her to to come to terms with things on her own, um, which is great. And and one of the reasons that Scover was, was so open to her being with the vessel's crew is, in a sense, because he, he wasn't going to be a threat to her. I mean, whether that was because of, of his particular standing, um, you know, with relationships and whatnot, but, like... He he trusts her as a person, first and foremost, um, regardless of age. Like, you are here. You want to do this thing. I will let you do it and prove that you are capable of doing it. It's definitely like a relationship where its foundation is built, like, on this mutual respect. Like, he probably sees her as, as a daughter and, and all that, but he definitely respects her as an individual, I think. Um, and, I and got that one shows. important question for both of y'all. I got one important Go question for, for both of y'all. Is it, is it, you know what's, is it geode related? It kind of is, actually. Okay. How many times did you think Affy had to pilot the ship because Geode and Leox got toasted at a club <laughs> or toasted the night before? <laughs> and, like, Spaceport Authority was like, nah, that breathalyzer is buzzing. <laughs> no, y'all better go in a passenger seat or y'all better have a D&D. Probably. <laughs> oh. Probably. Uh, <laughs> like, they... I wonder if Leox was stumbling and Geode was just sliding around, like hold, like carrying him on his back. You here's 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 the real question: Do you think that Leox has ever used Geode as a mock surfboard? Do you think he's ever laid Geode down and stood on him and then pretended to like crush a, a massive wave, dude? Like Alexander already mentioned that he wears uh, open collared shirts with beads, so like he's already halfway there, right? Honestly, I think it's. How Geode, when they go to the beach on vacation, Geode allows them to use him as, like, a little sun rock while they're at the beach because the beach is crowded. Maybe. Cheryl, Cheryl p- points out that, you know, Leox wouldn't do that because he respects Geode. But I, I, I'm going to tell you, like, I have some respect for, for my friends, and I may or may not have used them as mock surfboards before. So... <laughs> Maybe I'm just a terrible friend. I, mean, I don't that's know. How you get close. <laughs> I mean, that's how you get close. Can Gio get drunk? Of course he can get drunk. They were just talking about how he can get drunk. That man's wild. <laughs> He's in that club. Don't worry about how. Just know he does. Well, I, I do love all of the relationships. Don't question that man's turn up. <laughs> I, I love the relationship between Leox and Affy and Geo. There is a lot of respect there. They all trust each other to do the jobs that need to get done. But I do want to talk about the fact that there's this whole side story that we didn't get like super intense details of that they've taken on these cursed idols before. Geode remembers that it had happened and he ended up with a plinth made in his image and a planet was named Leoxo. Um, part of that story, Mike, fantastic question uh, to can Geode get stoned? And if you think about it, that's absolutely freaking hilarious. Geode a rock. Can he get stoned? I hate all of you so much right now. <laughs> oh, man. I hate all of you. Okay, so what... Uh, what did you think when you read this or when you listened to this for the first time? Like, what about Geo no, getting about, stoned? Well, that, but Geode, <laughs> Geode and Leox having a planet and a statue made in their honor. Adam, I don't know. You look a little dumbfounded to me. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? No, no, we just we just think that how much our team right now is loving Geode. If we if we had a rock or a giant. You know, statue of marble. Would we be creating a an, an, a huge idol to Geode or how Geode? Yes, we probably would be. And I'm willing to change Earth's name, so it has my <laughs> vote. <laughs> yeah, like I'm we are, we're taking submissions I mean, for Jose to create a new Conjure Book Club uh, logo uh, made in the image of Geode, and also we are entertaining name changes for our, for this podcast. So throw them in the chat. Uh, <laughs> Send us email. Send us up on Twitter. What What do you want to see? What What is our yeah, new name? Um, 
if you put non-GA related ideas in, we'll just ignore it. And that's because that's what we do. We ignore the fan base, how unless would, it's GA related. How would you tell the <laughs> difference between Geode and his statue? The holiness surrounding it? That's how. <laughs> Blasphemer of the spirit, ye. Be gone! Okay, that's fair. There's just a little bit more life in Geode than one would think and out of the statue. Yeah, d- don't you see the like the blue forest Holy Spirit just funneling around it? <laughs> we're we're talking about the stuff that matters on this show. The Absolutely. holiness of Geode and knows no bounds. Or it it sounds like you're saying that Geode might be um your equivalent of Bail Organa to Eric. Is is Geode your Lord and Savior? Geode Christ. <laughs> he is everyone's Lord and Savior to everyone's. <laughs> Oh man, why y'all? Pl- Sorry, this is a weird tangent. Y'all played uh, like Super Mario sixty four back in the day, right? On Nintendo sixty four, you know, like there's there's those levels where you have these giant rock things and they like kind of walk and then they just fall face down on you. I for some reason oh, that gosh. popped into my head that that's what Geode is actually like after a big night at the club. <laughs> he just uh, <laughs> just walks into the living room and it just misses the couch completely. <laughs> Oh, man. Gets mistaken for, like, a coffee table. Yeah, you know you, you know that Leox accidentally kicked his feet up on him one night, right? Question. Can Geo throw up if he's too drunk? And is it sand, pebbles, or what? Or is it, like, charcoal dust? I, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Also, what's his drink of choice? Because I feel like we need to... And is it, question, is it on the rocks? Oh, you know he likes everything on the rocks. And yeah, that would be really sad, Cheryl, if he's standing in the park and gets mistaken for a tombstone. (laughs) Uh, Yikes. All right. I think that's all the geode that I I have in me for the moment, because I think there's more that we need to talk about uh, as we we move forward. I mean, we, we haven't talked about the fact that, you know, he's... He is a, a a sympathetic friend, right? Like, he doesn't speak unless he needs to. He can read the room. He feels the moment when Affy is struggling. He is just there and is a, a crying shoulder. Like, that's fantastic. Um, and can we talk about the fact that, that Geode might not have another mating cycle for nine years or so? Like, what is that about? It means he doesn't have to pay child support for another decade. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you're going to go to the club, <laughs> you need to go these nine years, you need to go hard. I mean, like, is this Geode's college years? Like, is this, is this like his, uh, his out of, his, his out of country years. experience? Is, is this his, why am I losing what that's called? Study, study his, abroad. Is this his study abroad program? <laughs> the, 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 question, did, um... the question is, how old is Geode? That's a question that I would like answered. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how old even that Vincians can become. Um, and I, I don't know. H- how old like, do you think Geode be, is? He could have been, like, I don't know, his, his people might have been formed with the, their planet itself. He could be billions of years old, Timothy. We don't know. Maybe. Don't know. There's just, there's so many questions. Um, <laughs> Mike, I agree with you. So... I, I got to read the the opening three chapters as part of like the sampler for this book um, and a test of courage, I think. And I was floored. As soon as I saw Geode as a rock, I was like, this is 100% a joke. Like Claudia Gray has done the impossible and has made me like cackle laugh at the fact that this is a character in a Star Wars book. Um, completely thought it was a joke. And then I got the book and I was like, oh, this bit is still going on. <laughs> um, and it was totally worth it. Totally worth it. I think that's all. Let's talk about Nan. She's nowhere near as exciting as Geode. Um, but she we do get a little bit about her. That She shares that her parents died, uh, but they died well. Um, and that Haig, uh, her caregiver, was basically a commander and took her in. Are, are you still enjoying Nan at this point in the book? Like, she's got a little, little crush on, on Wreath. Uh, they have this little intimate moment together. What are your thoughts on Nan at this point? Uh, I feel ha- like you should. Patrick, have, I, I feel like that. I feel like. <laughs> what is what is, what is happening? <laughs> For those of you that are not in the Discord, you should be. Uh, Patrick posted the most random GIF of this <laughs> grandmother <just> <laughs> hunting. P- 
hunting this child. What is happening? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, my chest. Uh. Oh, Alexander said, can't do that with baby Geo's, though. <laughs> that poor kid. <laughs> F them kids. Oh, what is happening? Oh, God. Okay, man. <laughs> Jared just pops yeet. in the chat. Yeet. He was summoned by Yeet. <laughs> that Arkansas in him was summoned. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> good goodness. I'm leaving all, all right. of this in. Just absolute well, laughter. Uh,. Adam, we were talking about Nan, I <laughs> think, unless you were going to pivot and talk about something else. <laughs> I was going to oh, say God. that I don't think you should put characters after Geode, Timothy. I think that we need to get all of these boring characters know, out of the I way know. first. I, I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made a mistake. Now, no, no one wants to talk about Nan. No one. Yeah. <laughs> Nan, is, Nan is just a thing. She's, she's a person. She has value, just not as much as Geode. <laughs> Um, yes, it's yes, it's pretty cool that she, you know, is in the Nile and her parents died, and you know, the old dude was the commander and took her in. That's all very cool. Yeah. Like Geo. <laughs> uh, good gosh. Well, let's talk about some connections, some Easter eggs, some closing thoughts, so that we can bring it back to Geode at the end. Um, I love we got to mention to Jetta T. Uh, Leox gives some to Affy um, after poison. So uh, Jetta is alive and well. I wonder how well. I'm wondering if like if the city is up and running. If I mean, probably doing a lot better than what I we mean, saw. Yeah, probably. But like, I don't know. Like, are the statues still standing? Like, I want to know what what's going on at Jetta around this time. Maybe we'll get it in the comic. I don't know. Um, Comac mentions that the Jedi know of at least one dark side artifact known to have been imbued with power by the Sith. Um, he doesn't specifically mention what it is, but I would love to think that it's Lord Moment's helmet, which we've talked about before, um, who that was imbued with the Sith's consciousness. Basically, dark side um, Joxie, Jose, architect, dark side architect there. Uh, so that was really cool. Got to see it um, in the Darth Vader comic. Um, and then also the High Republic era story in Tales from Galaxy's Edge also shows the Jedi recovering an ancient Sith artifact with dark power. So that's cool. Um and then we do get the whole, uh, you know, dark side shrine idols bit. Um, and just to clarify some more of that, um, we, uh, we get to see it's down in the shrine in the depths, a secret, uh, Sith shrine contained deep below the Jedi temple. Uh, the shrine was created. I did not know this for unmade episodes of the clone wars. Um, that was dope. Why didn't we see it there? Uh, before it was being recycled um, into the Tarkin novel. Um, it was also recently mentioned in Palpatine's story from a certain point of view, uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Um, and as the book explains, it's built atop a strong vergence in the Force, like the ones on Dagobah or Mustafar. Um, that's really cool that that's a thing that we got to see. Um, and we still get this pestering question of why can no Jedi cross the Kyber Arch alone? And I wanted to get y'all's thoughts because I don't know we've really talked about this before. Obviously, we've read the book, but at this particular point, like, are you seeing any connection to this question that Wreath is continuing to ask himself from Jorah of, like, why can no Jedi cross the Kyber Arch alone? Adam, do, are you seeing any connections here? Like, any clear answer? Nothing's jumping out at me at the moment, Timothy. Okay. But I'm going to let's go back and we'll listen to the round table. We'll take Charles's very academic answer and, and just throw it back out. Yep. 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 That's what we do here. Okay. Patrick, <laughs> how about you? Because they're lazy. Fair enough. <laughs> they're not built different. <laughs> you got to be built different. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, guys, favorite moments, favorite characters from this section in the book. I'm not even going to put any qualifiers on it. Let's just, Patrick, who was your, what was your favorite moment? Who was your favorite character? Um, Geode is the favorite character okay. by default because um, it has to be because if it isn't, then you're sacrilegious and you're getting dumped from the pod. <laughs> also, favorite moment it had to be, in a shocking way, it was the quote-unquote death of, um, of yeah. Dez. 
Because I felt like that's when this book really got into another level of, oh, they're just going to kill somebody that's that important out of the novel that quick. Yeah. Uh, like, it was a really great setup for what's, oh, okay, we're doing this now. I, I feel like I shouldn't have been surprised after watching everybody die in Light of the Jedi. <laughs> like, I really shouldn't have, I really right? shouldn't have been surprised. But this happened, like, halfway through the book. And I was like, wait, what? Wait. Is the High Republic like Game of Thrones, but like friendlier in terms of like everybody dies Pretty in the first much, episode? Probably. Probably. Who's like, oh, that's your favorite character? Bang! Back of the yeah. head. Adam, how about you? Favorite moment, favorite character? So my favorite character was Geode or Hal Geode. Um, but probably the favorite moment was like, well, really everything Des, you spoke on it, Patrick, you know, he uh, we, and you, Timothy, about his, his passing. But just the conversation that he had with Wreath. Um, we talked about it, just him being there for Wreath when Wreath is struggling and, and the questions that that brought about their relationship, but also the Jedi as a whole, I thought that was very important. So that's what I really enjoyed, that Des in this section was was really the, the MVP. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I like that answer a lot. Uh, for me, my favorite character is Geode. Because I feel like I'd get booed off this podcast if I didn't say it. So this is peer pressure. I am fully com- fully conforming. Um, and because I mean it. Geode's the best. Uh, but also, I want to talk about my favorite moment. Um, I think I'm still really digging Comac and Orla's uh, stories a lot. Um, and I think this particular week, in this particular section, I appreciate that they are both struggling... Um, and that they are struggling in very different ways within the same organization. Um, that they, they both have similar issues, but they're being handled differently. Um, and the ways in which they, they try to push, um, push into their, their faith beliefs, push into the, you know, the way that they challenge, I guess, where they are and what they do, um, and how it's different together. Um, I think that speaks so well to, any of us, um, in any situation in life, um, we could be, you know, part of the same football club. We could be, uh, you know, part of the same, you know, faith group, whatever. We can have very different, um, very different opinions on it, um, and have very different challenges, very similar challenges, but maybe different views of how they should be handled. Um, and yeah, I love seeing the Jedi question and, and try to, to come up with a valid reason for, for why they should be staying in the order or not. Um, and that there's so much study that goes into that, I, I think is really cool. So, yeah. I must say, the more we get flushed into like them questioning the dogma, the more and more I just can't stand Yoda either. It it is really interesting, right? To, and I think that's something that's also like you kind of got to be careful with. Um, yeah, I mean, and and respect as well that you know we are learning a lot about Yoda, a lot about Yoda's faults. Um, but does that does that negatively impact where Yoda ends up? Like, yeah, he might've made some, some terrible decisions when he was in college, but like he grew up out of it. Right. Like, like that's okay. (laughs) I mean, did he? Maybe. I don't know. I I think that's an interesting question though. I I think that goes into some of this. Um, yeah, we can learn a lot about someone's history and, and put judgment on it, but you know, what does, what does that do? I mean, he has some questionable hires from for that uh, for his uh, coaching staff <laughs> at the, um, on the Jedi mm. Council. Like making Mace Windu as his assistant head coach is. Uh, I struggle to see the strategy in that it, one. I really do. I'll, I'll give you that a little bit. Also, Kiati Mundi as strength and conditioning coach. I'm not sure. I mean, have you seen the guy's head though? I do. That is true. He's got head biceps. <laughs> Man's got head yeah. biceps. All that he's built different. That man is actually built different. different. Let's be honest. He just thinks different. Goodness. Right? All right. Let's end it there before we get out of hand. Um, thank you guys so much for being here. This was a very fun um, section to talk about. So glad that y'all were with us listening in and participating in the Conjure Book Club. We'll be back next week to talk through Into the Dark, chapters 15 through 20. In the meantime, you can find me, Timothy, on Twitter and Discord at underscore T Guthrie. Adam is at DarkstarAU, and Patrick's on Discord at Mac11. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Conja Book Club for updates and our monthly book schedule. 
you want to help support the show, consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform, because you could do that now. It'll allow for more people to find us and hopefully join our incredible community. You can also pick up the books we read on utini.com. Just look up the books you're interested in, click on one of our affiliate links um, on the book profile page, and you will keep us on the air and produce some more awesome content. You'll find links to Into the Dark and May's book, Thrawn Ascendancy Greater Good, in the show notes and pinned to our chat in the Discord channel. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon or pick up some merch at utini.com forward slash merch. A special thank you to Sally and Chris Eilerson, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, and Freddie C. on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier, and Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. And shout out to Adam and Patrick for podcasting with me today. May the Force be with you, everyone. 